Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Hey guys, welcome to the boot camp. This is Bob, and uh, as you know and noticed, Jimbo's not here. He usually starts the show, and we are sans Jimbo. He is feeling uh, under the weather, and so we're going to give him some time to recover. And I'm pleased to announce that we have our permanent special guest host who joins us during <laughs> seasons like this, Evan Skelton from Bayless Baptist Church, replanter extraordinaire, and Jimbo and I both. Uh, have a great envy over Evan's fantastic radio voice. I don't know about that. <laughs> you're pulling from the bench here, right? But I'm glad to be here. Evan, welcome to the boot camp. Glad you, you are back in action as a co-host. And um, for those who don't know you, just briefly tell us again, you are doing what and where? Yeah. So I'm a church replanter here in St. Louis, uh, Bayless Baptist Church. Been here for three and a half years originally from Denver, came out of the Calvary family of churches, uh, sent me here to love and shepherd the people of Bayless. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, been here for three and a half years and getting to know a new city still. That's awesome. Well, Evan's a good friend. I remember we met in Denver before you were uh, a St. Louis resident and we worked really hard to try to get you here. You kept telling us no. Mm -hmm. and finally, <laughs> uh, you came to visit and uh, met some of the, the pastors and, um, went to an associational mm -hmm. meeting and, and uh, God just called you guys here and man, we're, we're super he thankful did. to, uh, to have you here. So Evan's got a great wife, Grace and three kiddos who are all awesome. And uh, the mm -hmm. cat, uh, I got a cat. The mm -hmm. last time I checked the cat was still alive and kicking. Is a cat still alive? He is. Yeah. He Pippin is doing great. And our, uh, and so, yeah, we've got uh, four uh, little kids that love this cat to death. Um, too much so i think so but yeah awesome. <laughs> and bob yeah. i remember that conversation yeah, yeah when you go when you that call to uh invite us to the city yeah i still remember that my grace and i talk about that fondly it's your fault that we're here actually it's the lord's but nonetheless <laughs> so you can blame if it all goes bad you can blame it on me <laughs> yeah well man um we're going to talk about something that's super important in the life of the church and uh, that's mm -hmm. prayer and particularly not just individuals praying, but praying together as a corporate body. And, uh, and so before we jump in and talk about that, Evan, there's something I put on social media uh, a couple of weeks ago, and um, I'm due to do a series every once in a while that, that just as a tweet that starts off with replant or revitalization reality. And so here's what followed that phrase. Here's what it says. This order is important. Spiritual renewal plus strategic planning and action plus structural changes equal the possibility of renewal and progress. Start with spiritual renewal. Otherwise, it's a lot of activity that could lead to a lot of conflict. So That's right. yeah. here's what we see. The reality is like, I, I get this all the time. A lot, of, uh, a lot of replanters and revitalizers know intuitively things that need to happen and they're legit kinds of things that need to happen related to, mm -hmm. you know, structure, first impressions, worship, service times, the bulletin, all those sorts of things. And so they jump in and change those things. Those are easy things to change, mm -hmm. but they often lead to a lot of conflict. And oftentimes guys overlook the spiritual. So man, mm -hmm. how are you guys thinking about the spiritual renewal inside of a church as you 
seek to replant Bayless. Yeah, I think um, and part of why I have to answer that question, I think, has to do with the history of our church a little bit, too. Uh, many of because our church has been in decline for over 20 years, and there have been re- some really good leaders uh, along the way. Uh, many have focused on a lot of that strategic planning and those structural changes and had some very uh, just really right and good assessment of some of the things that needed to happen and pulled those things off without a lot of that spiritual renewal. And what it did, what it produced is exactly what you described conflict and some really bitter conflict over those years. And so I think um, in this season, you know, I've only again, been here three and a half years and I would still say that spiritual renewal, even as God's produced health and vitality and unity um, in, a, in a really unique way at our church since then uh, I that is the number one need we have among our people um, and has been when we first came. I think specifically when we came with, uh, I think it was made clear to me, especially when it uh, concerns prayer, I was sitting in a Sunday school um, classroom, just observing and just trying to love and care our people and see kind of what were they were, uh, again, spend time with them, see what was actually happening in the life of the church before making any changes. And I remember sitting in that room and, uh, and uh, the, towards the end of the meeting, I led with, you know, okay, so, well, before I leave, is there anything we can be praying for one another for? And uh, one, it was, uh, it didn't meet with a lot of responses in the room, but it did meet with one memorable one. One woman asked if we would pray for the president's wife at the time, because she was receiving criticism for her outfit choices. And, but we know that we're facing persecution for Christ. And I, and I sat there and I said, oh my goodness, I'm, I, uh, I don't know where I'm at right now. And uh, but nonetheless, I was, I, it was a, it was a one that's a, just a small example of men uh, helping to lead our people to even, even to teach them how to pray, what we pray for um, even why we, why we pray and the vulnerability that it requires from us is even from day one, something we had to work at um, as often as we could. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, it does. I I mean, I think there's, all kinds of interesting things that people ask us to pray for as pastors and corporate times when we pray that that almost cause the, this internal reaction. So my first question when he told me that just now, I was like, "Man, did, did you have a poker face on? Did you did your mouth drop open? Did you, you don't have to answer that, I, you know." But I'm just, oh man, I, I think in that moment, I think I I had to like clean it up. You know, you do that sometimes when somebody gives a response and you're like, yeah. "Oh, that's really off base," but you don't want to like embarrass them. So I said, here's what I'm happy to pray for is we can pray for the, <laughs> and so I don't remember what I said, but they reframed it. And so, yeah, that's a beautiful deal. Um, man, that's a hard thing. Cause people have become used to praying for, uh, yes. surface things and insignificant. And I don't want to be careful when I say this, but things that seem insignificant in, in the general scheme mm-hmm. of things in the kingdom perspective, they're like, wow, mm-hmm. that just seems like an odd request. So part of our, our role as a pastor is to help shape the culture of prayer. So you guys yes. are doing some of that right now at Bayless. So mm-hmm. explain, explain to our boot campers how you guys are approaching this as an entire church. Yeah. So um, when we first, when I first came to Bayless, uh, prayer was one of the first things I wanted to teach on, let a Bible study on it, um, and then tried to integrate it in everything we did uh, in every leadership meeting and uh, in Sunday schools and Bible studies that we started. And then we've made a we've made a pattern over the last few years to preach on prayer at the very beginning of the year. So uh, three years ago, three years ago, uh, we uh, we uh, or so I should say two years ago, 
we did a series on the Lord's Prayer, and I just broke down each section, and we preached for the first month to start our year that way. Um, and then uh, last year, we began uh, with, uh, I, I pulled out six different priorities in prayer, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, uh, supplication, and, uh, and preached on each of those. He used it um, in different genres of scripture. And then, but this year we really have decided to enter and we, uh, we talking with our elders, um, we, um, especially because we want to create a culture of prayer, um, in our church, realize that more than more was necessary than simply to preach on it. Although I'm convinced that's the starting place, really, that the, the proclamation of the word is one of the places that leads to cultural change, but we had to get creative about how to, um, unite our whole church, um, in, many more environments and doing that in a concentrated season. So we launched into a 40 days of prayer initiative at the beginning of the year. Um, and that paired with starting a new sermon series in Exodus. Um, and partially because especially the first few chapters of Exodus through, we'll get through Exodus four by the end of the uh, 40 days. So it's focused on a God who is powerful and uh, compassionate to save whose nature and character is one we're relying on desperately today, but knows us, saves us at infinite. Uh, yeah. Um, is with, is infinite mercy and um, power. And so nonetheless, um, we see some of the things that we're doing in that 40 days of prayer. And this is, I can't take credit for a lot of these things. A lot of these things came from my elders and others, but we, um, in addition to praying in the midst of our service, we split, we provided some opportunities for people to be growing personally, as well as to be praying corporately. So for personal prayer, we provided some resources for, uh, we, we uh, found a small booklet from Paul David Tripp, uh, 40 Days of Faith uh, devotional. Um, so over the 40 days, uh, we had something to be a supplement to their reading of the word to help grow us all as a congregation in our faith and our prayer. We have several people who are going through that study right now and have commented on how helpful it's been. We, per, we created a, a bookmark with a day by day. Here's a specific prayer request to pray for on this day as well as in the backside of that bookmark, we created a sermon schedule so they know what text we're going to be preaching so they can pray for, read through that to be prepared for Sunday morning um, and uh, uh, to be more ready to participate in corporate worship. And uh, then in the corp- and then as far as the corporate opportunities, um, we uh, started a once a week prayer gathering on Saturday mornings. Our congregation, still a good portion of them are older and can't do it during the evenings, which is common. You have a Wednesday night a prayer service. It's not been very well attended in the past by our people. So we decided to do it 9am on Saturday mornings here at the church. Um, and, uh, it's been really sweet. Um, and, uh, um, I tell you what, there's nothing more powerful than hearing some of the members of my church weeping when they pray, asking mm-hmm. for God to save. And it's just, uh, it's just like, it's a sign of the spirit at work in a way that would not have been the case three and a half years ago in some of these relationships. And then we, started, we gave an opportunity for people to sign up for prayer partners. Um, and so that the expectation is, is that they would just have somebody they would make a, would call once a week um, and uh, pray for our church. And then finally, and this is perhaps the most awkward, is we decided in the, uh, in our gatherings to create a space for, uh, for corporate prayer um, and uh, uh, extended corporate prayer. We've asked people to stand and get in groups of four to five, and uh, and we lead, and then I lead them in praying for uh, usually three different things that are all in, in under one topic um, each week, and that's a big risk. Now, thankfully, 
our church is simple enough and it's uh, and we're scrappy enough that it's less complicated for us. If we would have had a church of two, 300 people yeah. with our people of a congregation of 65. And we also knew it was a risk for, uh, for newcomers, but for a concentrated, because it feels more awkward, but we, we, we talk in many ways, we talked about again, in this concentrated season, this is the most, one of our most important things we could be doing as a church and what could be better for a non-believer as awkward as it is, or a newcomer to come in and see a church actually doing. Yeah. And so even though it's, and so in this space, it's actually been really well received from our people. And there's something pretty incredible too, about being up on the stage, even as awkward as it is. And we just tell our people intentionally lean into the awkward. We know it is, mm-hmm. this is why it's valuable and it's good for us to feel the tension of it. We, uh, in that space, um, hearing the murmuring around the entire congregation, hearing individual voices, um, just lifting up their church, their family, uh, their, uh, their loved ones to the Lord in prayer is just powerful. And I'm, and I, and I am, uh, I'm convinced that we're, uh, yeah, the, the Lord, this is how he, he delights to respond to his people praying. And so I'm just excited to see what the Lord does next. So really love that. And just to, you know, a lot of the things you said show that there was an intentional strategy to give resources, to create space and opportunity throughout the week, to provide relational connections around it. And then and this is the big one that I think that most pastors and replanters struggle to figure out how to do it. How do you incorporate a prayer emphasis in your worship gathering. Most of the time it's like, okay, well, in, in addition to the pastor praying, we'll have a few lay leaders or a couple elders pray, but you, you've you actually, you've like broken the wall down to say, let's have people uh, pray together. And one of the things I think that in our time of, you know, watching services online and a lot of guys are just, tr- they're trying to, to, to form a liturgy that works online and in, per- in person and all of those sorts of things. One of the things that that's happened is you've lost some of the spontaneity of what could happen in a worship gathering within bat, you know, that's within the bounds of gathered worship protocols and those yes. sorts of things, but you've really taken a, a step to say, yeah, we're just going to push into it. And, and I think that's really what differentiates some churches uh, can differentiate, differentiate some churches now than maybe uh than ever before, right? Okay, this is a church where I actually showed up and I get to participate in something, even though it felt very weird at first, um, I get to do that. Or I could mm-hmm. at least watch that and sit and listen uh, to that being done. Mm-hmm. And so it models for that. Mm-hmm. But I love how you've done that. Um, in terms of just, you know, taking all of that and building a cultural uh, of celebration, how, how have your people responded to these opportunities? Prior? Is it, are they excited? Are they people are learning, like, what are you hearing from them as you guys take this adventure together? Yeah. So the, um, as you can expect, there is some natural hesitation. Mm-hmm. I think, um, and especially in this season, it, uh, there's all, because of some of the, just the practical needs in our congregation and some of the things we've been intentional to own and define reality in this season, many of our people are prone to uh, uh, see that, they don't, some of our people, I think, uh, are skeptical that prayer is the most urgent need, even though they wouldn't say that. Um, I think that they, um, and so 
knowing that and wanting to be gracious in that without, um, over, without shaming our congregation. We've had to, I think, I appreciate how you use the language of celebration, uh, expand the imagination of our congregation, like in the service, being able to say, like we stopped at, we, this week, we stopped after that corporate prayer and we say, man, wasn't that awkward? And yet here is, it said, do you believe that uh, because, of what, uh, because of what just happened, things change? Not because we twist the arm of God, not because we manipulate his favor, but because the Lord, do we actually, do you believe that because of what just happened, God is in heaven. Uh, he, he rejoices at what just took place and he is happy to provide for his people. This is evidence of his work. Do you expect that we're going to see God do mighty things. And in the midst of that, just re- uh, taking every opportunity we, as we can to say with joy on our face saying like, what might the Lord do? And so instead of leading with fear, leading a sense of expectation, mm-hmm. like Jehoshaphat, um, is no, it's not Jehoshaphat. Uh, what am I not Jehoshaphat? <laughs> Hezekiah. Wow. So Hezekiah. Wow. It shows there you is a Jehoshaphat, many. right? So we, we there do. is a Jehoshaphat. My mind is not waking up yet. So uh, his <laughs> prayer of wow. Yeah, there we go. Um, Hezekiah's prayer. Uh, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That has been the mantra of our church in so many ways. And wow. so, um, yeah. And so the, uh, um, but yeah, so as far as celebration too, I think um, we uh, have just been asking many of our members again, um, uh, what the Lord is doing again in the season. And many have volunteered even in, uh, in our, in our uh, prayer gatherings and others, just what some of the resources have meant to them. Um, and, uh, with the end of this, our hope is to get creative, even with COVID there's, you know, obviously we have limitations, but to find a way at the end of this 40 days to just find a way to, uh, to rejoice together, to have some time together to say like, we, uh, we, uh, we, and even in a season where there might be reason for fear and skepticism, we, as a people right now get to say, we have always been in your hands. This is your church. What might you do? And so we're going to spend some time celebrating at the end of this, um, probably, uh, yeah, we're not sure entirely what that's going to look like in terms of eating together, which is what, I mean, I wish we had a lot of these like freedoms we once took for granted, right? <laughs> the ba- Baptist potlucks. And so. Yeah, else. I know. I mean, we're, we're right in the middle of, uh, the, the Omicron, uh, you know, pandemic, the sub pandemic or the additional pandemic, you know, it seems like every, mm-hmm. every, uh, so often and I even read an article about a stealth uh, Omicron variant. So, you know, yeah, it's crazy. But I, I think, um, you know, I, I think <clears throat> the idea of celebrating and the idea of giving voice to either what you learned or how God answered prayer or mm-hmm. how he's given you the strength to, to remain hopeful and faithful to continue to pray the prayers that you began praying maybe, you know, 30 or 40 days earlier. Those, those mm-hmm. are some good signs to, uh, to point to that, you know, the, the successful prayer campaign is not all of the cards that you post on the billboard that say, you know, here are all the answers mm-hmm. to prayer necessarily. Those are, there can be some of that, but it can also mm-hmm. be just a sense of you being changed before the Lord and having a desire to immediately uh, go and speak with him or to be more comfortable in your prayer. Um, so I think mm-hmm. there, there's all kinds of things that you can point to, to celebrate the work of God in your congregation, the lives of your people, in a, in a season of prayer and uh, mm. particularly this campaign. So um, mm. if I, we've got some guys out there that are trying to figure out, okay, man, um, 
how would I even go about starting this as a replanter or revitalizer? Because maybe their their prayers are the same kind of prayers, you know, right before the offering, the the you know, bless the gift and the giver, and you know, mm-hmm. the the same old rote prayers that happen a day in and day out, or week in and week out in the life of a congregation. What would you say if a guy's want to take some initial steps to just to launch a, a prayer emphasis in his church? What do you do? The, you've explained some really well developed. Uh, strategies mm-hmm. and activities that have really um, been possible because you you started at some you started at a mm-hmm. first point yes. in the life of your congregation. So the guy who's mm-hmm. just now in the place of leading the church towards a prayer uh, emphasis, wh- what are some things that you would share with him about how to start uh, developing mm-hmm. and shifting that culture? Yeah. So I think my yeah I think my advice would be is to see it as a pressing priority. To see that as you're, if you're going to do, if you have choice over leading a Bible study during the week, or even as you're plotting out your sermon calendar to build in times right now as regular opportunities throughout your year to simply address address prayer. One thing that's been a helpful and uh, path for a uh, uh, helpful uh, way for us to do this that might might work for you is during the summers uh, we will pray we will preach through the Psalms. Um, and uh, as of the prayer book of Israel, that's really helped for me to have a natural opportunity to talk about how have God's people always talked to him. And so in that space, so in that, that's in the gathered worship. I think we have culture change again starts there. But I would also say, be a person who gets the, who perhaps even is willing to make people feel awkward because you are always praying. Don't let an opportunity go by no pastoral interaction, no Bible study, no leaders meeting, no business meeting that you aren't framing in prayer and spending time in prayer and you modeling what that prayer looks like. I think so many uh, of our people, uh, they, uh, again, one of the ways that we learn how to pray and perhaps how you learn to pray is by, I mean, all of us is by hearing another mature believer pray um, and uh, listening how do they, how they speak God, something about it, it becomes compelling which means that your prayer life also is just a pressing priority. We can't give people what we don't have. Right. And so we, it, it, it will, your, our spiritual maturity will reveal itself often in the ways that we pray with our people. They'll be able to tell. So that really comes as the fruit of spending private prayer with the Lord. And then in your, in our services, one of the things that was helpful for us too, even as it was awkward is finding ways to have an, have a time just focused on prayer where I would lead that some sort of pastoral prayer moment, praying on behalf of our people, uh, celebrating various things. Um, our elders have all participated in that and now rotate that. Um, and so again, I think all of those things, finding how to, in, how to integrate genuine uh, um, God glorifying, God focused, God centered prayer into everything we do. Um, and uh, in the, both the, both the formal ways but I think uh, much more that's emphasis that's a, that's made a part of the culture in the informal ways. Um, so hopefully that's helpful. That's awesome. Hey, how do you guys pray? You boot campers, uh, replanters, revitalizers. Um, what are you learning? What do you hope to see happen in your congregation? We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line on the comment section or on the Facebook page or call the replay bootcamp line and uh, share your story with us. We'd love to hear about it. Evan May, thanks for joining us here as uh, the permanent substitute host of the boot camp and you are fantastic <laughs> and we love you bud and uh man right, great too, man. great 
thoughts on prayer. And so uh, we're excited that you joined us here on the boot camp. Until then, stay tuned. We'll pray for Jimbo and that he uh, feels mm -hmm. better and will join us soon. Thanks for tuning into the boot camp this week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.